0: Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. I'm not sure why I'm posting this telling you about it, but I feel so absolutely shaken by this experience. I thought telling it might be therapeutic. I should give a content warning that this story discusses the subject-like essay of a minor, though no detail is provided. A few weeks ago, I was watching the news and one of the stories reported that a teacher from a prominent private school had been convicted of multiple counts of abuse of a minor. The victims, including students, as well as his own children. The report of his arrest and allegations had been suppressed until the trial was over. However, these details were now being made public. The reporter also referenced that the defense lawyers argued for a reduced sentence on the basis that the teacher had also been abused by his own father when he was a child. When the name and the photo of the teacher was shown, I almost choked. It was Cameron, who was one of my best friends from primary school. I couldn't believe it. In primary school, I was best friends with two other boys, Cameron and Wilson. We finished primary school in 1995, and whilst they were both sent to the same high school, I was sent to a different school entirely, and we therefore lost touch after that. We would often sleep over at each other's houses, either the three of us or just two of us, and I started to recall memories that I had completely forgotten up until this point all involving Cameron's father. I really don't remember things clearly, but I remember different incidents at various sleepover nights at Cameron's house. Cameron and I would be changing into our PJs before bed, and his father would come in and talk to us. I know it sounds warped, but I still remember thinking that he was doing this because he was treating us like grown-ups. I think this might have been because my family were extremely prudish with nudity, and I must have felt that nudity was an adult thing and he was therefore treating us like grown-ups, by having a normal conversation as we were changing. I know it sounds foolish, but I was around 9 or 10 when this happened, and totally innocent. Remember, this was the mid-90s, and whilst we knew about stranger danger, we didn't consider parents of friends to be strangers, and no one ever talked to us about predators in this manner. I also remember times when Cameron and I would be taking a shower, one after the other, and his father would come into the bathroom to talk to us. I also clearly remember that I saw his father naked once, and he entered the shower just as I was leaving it. This is probably the clearest memory that I have, because it was the first time I had seen a grown-up without any clothing on, and that his nakedness was fully visible as he was standing close to me. Only now, as an adult thinking back to that experience, did I realize he was putting himself quite deliberately on display. I remember him just standing there openly before he entered the shower. I did have a vague memory that he asked Cameron and I to go downstairs, and that Cameron's mother and sister had just gotten home at that point. But as I said, none of these memories are very clear. I hadn't thought about any of this for years, and it dawned on me how innocent I was, in that I didn't realize that his behavior was totally inappropriate. I'm not saying the families who are more liberal with nudity are doing anything wrong, but knowing now that Cameron's lawyer said he was abused by his father, I started to feel sick and overwhelmed by anxiety as I tried to work out whether those experiences were linked and if there were any more experiences that I perhaps couldn't recall. I really wanted to reach out to Wilson to see if he would be willing to discuss it. I hadn't spoken to him since we were 12, so more than 25 years at this point, but I fortunately found his profile on Facebook. I messaged him to let him know who I was I named the school and year that we finished. Hey, this is Ryan, and we were best friends in primary school. Not sure if you saw this link, but our other friend Cameron was just convicted of child S.A. I know we haven't been in touch since we were kids, but I'm hoping you'd be open to having a chat with me sometime. I'm just remembering some of the things from my childhood involving Cameron's father. I left my cell phone number and waited for his response. Wilson responded that same day. Oh my god. I saw this story too, and I'm really glad that you reached out. I've been feeling so sick about all of this, and this has opened up a lot for me as well." Wilson said that he would call that night. When he called, we ended up speaking for about two and a half hours. His memory was stronger than mine, but that's most likely because the poor guy had more to remember. He said he was abused many times by Cameron's father during those same years. The sequence of events was almost identical to my memories. On the first nights we slept over, Cameron's father started entering the room when the boys were changing before bed. He then started entering the bathroom whilst he was showering, and he eventually entered the shower, which is when the abuse began. He said that Cameron would often be there when it happened, but had no memory of me being there. This went on for a couple of years, and ended in the first year of high school when he turned 13. It was around this age he actually started to become aware that what Cameron's father had done was wrong, and only then did he start to feel uncomfortable about it. He stopped talking to Cameron around that time as well, and they fell out of touch. Wilson never reported it, or told anyone, however he entered into therapy for some time when he was an adult, as he tried to process what he had experienced. I still don't know if I remember that day in the shower accurately. However, if Cameron's mom and sister unexpectedly arrived home, that probably saved me from suffering the same abuse. I had no idea how close I came to experiencing things that could have completely turned my life upside down. It shocks me to remember my innocent child's mind having no awareness that anything was wrong, and it would have been so easy to have taken advantage of that naivety. I'm still wondering if I have suppressed anything more that might have happened, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it so I'll book into therapy to try and work through it. I've changed names in this story, as Wilson still hasn't told anyone, and I don't want anyone reading to piece this together, but the entire experience has shaken me so much. I'm glad that there's more awareness about abuse and people are more open with their children. But please, please educate and protect your kids. I only know now how easy it is for predators and groomers to take advantage of children. This was back in 2020, while I was still single. I'm a 44-year-old mother of two, but I look like I'm about 27 years old. I was waiting for the delivery of two desks for my sons, as well as office chairs. Heavy things that I wouldn't be able to move on my own. My two sons were out hiking that day. My mom, who lives next door, was out with a friend. I had a rare quiet and peaceful day lined up. When a knock at the door rang out. It was the delivery man. He asked with a smile where he could place the items that I ordered. I asked if he would be so kind to bring them into the living room, and that I would move them from there. He smiled and agreed. After he finished moving them, he said that I had a nice home, and asked if I owned it. I told him that I did. Then he asked if I lived alone. Instantly, my instincts went on full alert. I decided to reply in a way that he wouldn't question. I snorted and then said with feeling, I wish, I have two teen sons that are taller and stronger than me. They seem to outgrow clothes and shoes every month. They and their friends are over here all the time, yelling at their PlayStation games. My nosy mom lives next door, comes over a couple times a day, especially when she sees a strange vehicle in the driveway. I have a couple of friends who are next door neighbors as well. He then asked if I was alone for the day. My same instincts were telling me that this man means me harm. I felt like he was undressing me with his eyes, and I felt sick to my stomach at the same time. So I said, no, my sons are due back any minute now, and if my mom is outside, she'll be coming over as well. I rarely have any time to myself. Let me see you outside. My neighbor has three pit bulls who like to tackle people and then to lick them to death. They also do jump scares, growling, and then lunging. They'll listen to me, though. He lost all color in his face and told me he was scared to death of big dogs and that he didn't want to leave the safety of my home. I was internally cussing myself out when I heard screams, barking, laughter, and then a second later my two sons and their friends soaked in mud come running up the steps in an attempt to get away from three very muddy, playful pit bulls. They were begging me to get the doggy treats, so that they could race inside my home. I shook my head no. I told them to hold the dogs so the delivery driver could leave, and then they were going to hose themselves and the dogs off. Well, they held the dogs, and the guy sprinted for his van and took off. I was so relieved, although I didn't tell my kids a word about it. It was about three days later when I received a call from the company that I ordered the desk from, and they said they had received a large number of complaints about this guy and wanted to know if I had any trouble with him. I told them what happened with me. They thanked me and told me that he had been fired. Since our town is smallish, we have a newspaper and they run a column on who gets arrested and for what. Turns out that delivery driver had been arrested for several counts of SA as well as battery. I realized that I could have been the next victim if my sons and their friends hadn't shown up. I was quick to let that delivery man in my house, without any question or hesitation. That is something that I won't ever do again. All deliveries can be left on my front doorstep, and my sons will bring them in. I suppose that's what teenagers can be good for. Manual labor. My grandfather Jim died when I was 17, so about five years ago now and his last months were rough on the whole family. He had an advanced form of brain cancer, but he spent most of his time at home under hospice care. One afternoon, had to be about two weeks before Jim died, I was alone with my grandpa waiting for the hospice nurse to come check in on him. A man who I'd never seen before, we'll call him Dave, knocked at the door. He was wearing hospital scrubs, but he hadn't brought any equipment with him, which I found odd. I asked him if he worked for the hospital, and he simply nodded. He said this was his first shift with Jim, but that he'd reviewed my grandfather's file, and that he wanted to speak to whichever family member had the legal authority to pull the plug. Jim wasn't even on life support, so I guess Dave was using plug as an expression. I should also say that I live in a right-to-die state, where euthanasia is legal, so it's not like the option had never occurred to us but as far as I know, no member of my family had ever expressed an openness to euthanizing Jim. I told him that I had no authority to make that decision, and that my grandfather, who was now delirious and unable to consent to much of anything, had specifically said to prolong his life indefinitely, unless he was crying out in extreme pain, which he wasn't. Dave put his hand on my shoulder, as though he were consoling me, and he talked about how old people become burdens to their families, and sometimes it's best to just let go. Then Dave pulled out a bottle of pills from his pocket and said that they were barbiturates that would trigger a peaceful death. He said the coroner would determine that Jim died naturally from his cancer. I started to panic. I firmly told him that under no circumstances would he be euthanizing my grandpa at this time, but he started to untwist the bottle as he walked towards Jim's bed. I literally had to wrestle the pills from his hand, and he seemed startled by this. He played innocent and said he just wanted to show the pills to Jim. Dave knew perfectly well that my grandfather had almost no idea what was going on. I promptly called 911 and rapidly explained the situation to the dispatcher. Dave suddenly became very scared and bolted directly out of the house. The cops arrived within five minutes and Jim's actual hospice nurse arrived a few minutes after that. Based on my physical description, the police and hospital staff were able to identify Dave as a recently fired hospital orderly. Dave was charged with making a criminal threat based on my testimony, but unfortunately, he was acquitted. I'm not sure what else he would have had to do to get punished, aside from forcing those pills right down my grandpa's throat. Part of me hopes to never run into dave ever again because i don't know what i would do but another part of me would like to explore those options given the opportunity so dave it's probably in your best interest that we never meet again